LSG Media presents Without Limits, a Westworld podcast. I'm your host, Dean. I'm Jessica. And on this week's episode, we bring you Season 2, Episode 8, Kiksuya. Okay, we're starting things off. We're coming in hot on the eighth episode. Jessica, I have a question to ask you right off the bat. Okay. What is the name of the podcast you are on? Without Limits, colon, a Westworld podcast. Ring, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner, ladies and gentlemen. I did almost call it Beyond Limits because I do have Beyond Belief on my mind. Well done. Well, but you get to live. I, I was going to get to live anyway. Yes. Yes. You just murder somebody because they don't know the name of a podcast. I think you can. I, I think you can. I guess you can murder somebody for anything. Here's a trivia question. Ready? Uh-oh. I don't know the next part, but it says, take mine in its place. Yes, okay. good job. I know the English part. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce um, Hansi's name, so can you say it now so I can try to remember? They, you just call him his short name, Aki. Uh, okay, I can say Aki. Aki. But what's his full name? Akachita. I like saying Akachita better, though. I wish I could write it down. Akachita. Akachita. I'm, I'm adding that flourish. It's just Akachita. Akachita. So there you have it. Well, we're starting things off right this week, Jessica. I know. You know the name of the podcast. Oh, God, I'm so good. We're uh, doing our best to speak uh, Lakota. And not now me. we're diving in. I'm not speaking Lakota, not one time. We're going to see what's going on with our boy, Aki, played by Akachita. the brilliant and lovely Zan McLaren. I know we're on a real high with this guy since Fargo. I cannot believe how much I love this man and how much I feel like I've talked about how much I love him on this podcast. Like when he was in that one scene with like Angela. Yep. When they were uh, meeting Logan. Yes. Um, and everybody was a host. Yes. And in that moment, I was so pumped because I love this guy so much. And now I love him even more. I might be obsessed with him. I don't know. There you go. It's really weird. He's good people. I like this guy. I'm obsessed with him. So. We're diving in. This is uh, this is uh, quite an episode of television. Why don't you start um, with your opening thoughts? Do you want to start? Do you want me to start? You tell me. How do you want to run I'll this? Start. Thing? Go for it. First, I'll craft a narrative. <laughs> okay, go ahead and craft okay. that narrative. So, we were going to watch Westworld, and we were actually going had plans to watch it with podcast co-host Josh, um, fan of the podcast Aaron. We're going to have a little get-together. We're all going to get together. We're going to watch Westworld. Oh, Aaron's in the chat and everything. We all get together. Um, Jake Martin, also sometimes co-hosts in front of the podcast, and his wife come over. But they don't watch Westworld. Anyways, we all eat. We all drink too much. They do. They just binge it. We end up not watching the episode. We watched Arrested Development instead, season one, not the new season. Anywho. So we did not watch this episode together as a nice group. Next morning, I got up, and I watched the episode, and I said, wow, I'm glad we didn't watch as a group of friends because I cried like a bitch two times and that would have been embarrassing uh, as far as I'm concerned. So I watched this episode way before Dean did and typically I try to be, I don't know, not talk too much about the episode but I loved it so much I kept saying like, Dean, when are you going to watch it? Are you going to watch it? It's really good. There's a lot I want to talk to you about it. There's just a lot of things I want to say and I, I like couldn't wait for him to watch the episode because I was that excited to talk about it. So that's how I felt about this episode. Right on. And Aaron, you're not bitter, because did you want to watch me cry like a bitch in front of the both of you? Maybe. You could have made fun of me for the rest of my life, but... Yeah. Just saying. 
Well, here we are. Let's uh, let's dive in. Oh, wait. You know what? Let me give you my opening impressions. Why don't we yeah, do that? Probably a great idea. It's normally how we do. Um, this is uh, this is a beautiful piece of television, as far as I'm concerned. I think this is a is a beautiful story. Um, it's not it's not a side story. It's not filler. People people use this word filler, and I don't understand. So I'm going to argue with all of you. Um, filler episodes don't usually have this grand of a scope. They're usually much smaller. They usually are small self-contained stories that have nothing to do with the main narrative at all. Um, and those are usually reserved for, for shows that are more, I guess more episodic because things still happen with the main plot line. Do you know what I'm saying? We, Mm -hmm. the map is connected to it. Um, the man in black, we bring back into it this character's experience is very relevant to what all the hosts have been going through. And in a sense, he gives us to be perfectly frank, somebody to root for there. There is, you know, when you start thinking about this, this show outside of, you know, Bernard and Elsie Maeve and Maeve, but, but you almost feel like is what's Maeve is Maeve going to actually get her day in the sun where she gets her daughter back. And that's how we're seeing these are being connected. There's a lot of parallels between Ake's story and, and Maeve's story, which I like. And um, I think it was very well told. And it, and it is very, it gets the imagination flowing as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I really believe that. Yeah, somebody's uh, Scotting bottle episode. I, don't, I would not call it a bottle episode. Um, I don't know what that means. Sorry, Scott. It's just a it's fancy dumb. TV term. It's just a fancy. Term. I don't know why fancy terms. Um, you can't. You can't. The way they shot this, the way they shot it, defies being a bottle episode in general. This, these sweeping vistas, this mass cinematography, the way they approach this entire story. But I'll tell you, man, it was a great piece of storytelling. It was great acting by Zaren McLaren. Zahn McLaren. I thought it was really. This guy's really impressive in his stoicism, but also being vulnerable at the same time. And man, he just embodies this character so well. And there's, there's just something beautiful and simple about the way this whole thing unfolds. And I just loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was excellent television. I like that. I like these giant questions about, it's cool to think about how, (laughs) His journey could almost be a religious or spiritual one, which is so fascinating to think about. And in you, if you parallel this to, say, modern religion, sometimes you wonder, are the great mysteries of our lives tied up in this thing we can't even comprehend like these hosts are experiencing? Like they're so, they're so far removed from the technology and all this fancy shit that these people can do that— they're almost godlike in a sense. Their ability to take away memories and take people away and make them disappear and do all this stuff to them. You start to see how these ideologies form up around them. It's just really cool. It was really, man, I don't know. I really like this episode. It was thought provoking and, 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 and heady on the one side, but then this simple tale of love and simplicity that grows into something bigger at the end when he has that wonderful moment in cold storage. Um, just good stuff, man. And I'm, and I'm really looking forward to diving into this episode. And, and I do, although I do not think this is a bottle episode, as I now know what that means, sort of, but not really, but whatever. What I, something about this episode is I feel like you could have never seen an episode of Westworld in your life and you can watch this and say, what a 
beautiful episode of television. Sure. I think that this is not only a great episode of Westworld, I think it is a great episode of television as a whole. Like it really, really, truly is. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm so high on it. And I didn't even feel nervous watching it a second time. Like sometimes when I'm really high in an episode, I'm like, oh my God, when I watch it a second time, am I still going to love it? Like I knew I was still going to love it. Mm-hmm. And I did. I liked it more knowing the twist with Maeve at the end and being able to see the little things they put in there to to make that make sense. Yep. And the way he talked and the way they shot it, it was, it was, oh, it was so good. It was here's, so good. Here's a couple of interesting tech terms that might be, be cool for this. A bottle episode is produced cheaply. And restricted in scope. Damn. So there's your Fun. first two problems with calling it that. Um, to use as few non-regular cast members effects and sets as possible. Bottle episodes are usually shot on sets built for other episodes. Frequently, the main interior sets for a series are consist- that consist largely of dialogue and scenes for which no special preparations are needed. They're also commonly used when one script has fallen through and another has to be written at short notice. Ooh. This follows a similar etymology. This ties us back to our science fiction. In the 60s, Star Trek, the original series, called it Ship in a Bottle episode, which means the episode took place just on board the Enterprise because it was a set they always had. There you go. Educating fools today. Wait, what? Did you say something yesterday's Enterprise? I stopped listening to you for a second. You Sorry. certainly did. Um, I was saying that it was a term used in the 60s as well called Ship in a Bottle. So in the original series had episodes like this in Star Trek, it was so they could shoot it just on the bridge of the Enterprise because it oh. was always a set that existed. I thought you said something about the episode Yesterday's Enterprise, right? That's an episode? I didn't say that. But that's an episode, right? It is. That's it's my a, favorite episode, right? I believe you said it's your favorite okay. episode. That's past. my favorite episode. Yep. I thought you were saying that was a bottle episode. I was like, I will not have that. <laughs> no, that's a really good episode. <laughs> or yes, like, like Andrew says, like Paolo and What's-Her-Face and Lost. I think her name was Nikki. Isn't Paolo also Logan, which is funny? Just, anyways, lost talk, you know. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, that's a fucking bottle episode, and it's terrible. Me can't take you high, I see. All right. So um, let's dive into the man in black crawling. Man in black crawling to his gunslinger death. This is the most stereotypical looking gunslinger shot in the belly crawling to a lake to die in the middle of big Wyoming looking country. It's great. And he's like, don't know. You ain't dying here. And the writers are like, ooh, but you have to because Anthony Hopkins is back and we can't afford you both. Sorry. <laughs> bye. Um, Akachita rides up and kicks him alive. Good. I love it. Me too. <laughs> I remember you. They go to uh, Akachita's camp. Uh, he talks about how death is a passage from this brutal world. You don't deserve it. And that's when he sees Maeve's daughter. Does she have a name? I don't know. I'll check right Chat now. Room, can you get on that, please? Does Maeve's daughter have a name? Because um, I don't know what else to do. Yeah, sadly. Dean still doesn't know the man in Black's daughter's name to this day. Just like he makes fun of me for not knowing the name of the podcast. <laughs> Was worse. Honestly. Just Maeve's daughter by by Jasmine Ray. Can we give her a name? Because someone make up a name for her. Please. Call her Jasmine if you want. No, she don't look like a Jasmine. Well, she's literally a Jasmine. Well, when I hear Jasmine, I think of Aladdin, and that doesn't well, I guess she's me. not literally a Jasmine because that's an actual plant. She doesn't. She's actually literally a plant. Okay then. So <laughs> we see Maeve and her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take me through this. Or see me as daughter. Oh, I can't take you through anything because I don't have actual note notes. Okay. 
So cool. you're going to do this. A lot specific- of pressure. You always so, do the specifics. Um, you literally never even use my notes. And the one time I don't take them. I use my notes. Yeah, you I should know. use your own notes though. No, I remember in my head when you prompt me. <gasps> so anyway, we see Maeve and her daughter. Maeve's daughter shows her the rock, the maze, the map. Question. Is this the beginning for Maeve? I was thinking about this. Perhaps. I think her little. seeing this is the beginning of, of her process. Maybe that's why she's so far ahead. I would imagine so. It's possible. I don't know. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any context to, for her. It's not really explained to her other than the, than the daughter gives it to her. But the way she looks at it is, is, I mean, it's a rock with some kind of paint on it. And your daughter brought it home. Maybe that's kind of weird. Maybe that's her reaction. She's like, oh, my daughter might need to see but a But there therapist. seems to be something deeper there. And I just, it, 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 I considered it. Because we quickly cut to her on the gurney getting pushed. You know, Lee's telling her to hang on. Mm-hmm. And, um. Maybe not in good shape here. No. Guys. Um, we do get a quick look on Maeve before we embark on the episode proper, which is this whole piece with Ake. But, it is Lee talking to this gentleman's name, who I also don't know. I call him Douchewagon because I hate him like the worst. Okay. Only second to Charlie Hale and as much as I hated Lee last season. I think his name is Roland. Oh, his name fucking would be Roland. Of course it was. Is that a bad name? It's the most douchey name I've ever known. I bet no matter what his name was, you were going to say that. No, if you like, no, there's probably some names you could say that I wouldn't think were douchey. I don't believe you. I think you were destined to call him a douche. No his, name his name is Roland. Come on. So who's named that? Nobody. Uh, Moving on. So Roland. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I can't even. Oh God. Okay. We're gonna have to get past it though. <laughs> it's gonna be, or it's so gonna be a real long hour and of people <laughs> shutting off their podcasts. Yeah, the, the gunslinger. I know. That's everyone's gonna say the gunslinger. Yeah, I know the gunslinger, but he's a douche in this one, okay? Other than the gunslinger, who else is named Roland? Thanks. She can control the other hosts with her fucking mind. Just check her data stream. So Lee's trying to keep Maeve alive. He's trying to keep her safe. He's doing what he can without being too obvious. And he's trying to convince Roland of this because we know by the end of the episode, Lee's got some some emotional baggage to unload. He feels guilt. About the predicament he finds that Maeve finds herself in. He feels guilty about this, right? I, I can't wait till we talk about that scene later. So he locks the place down, Roland, because obviously what he's telling, what Lee is telling Roland is very important. So lock this room down yeah. for now, right? Like keep her safe. She yes. matters in the way that it's going to matter to Roland, quote unquote. Which is that she's important, her data is important. But to Lee, it's... It's not a quote. It's literally his name. It's, not a, it's, it's actually his name. No no quotes needed. I'm not conceding like any it. ground on loading. Loading? Who's loading? I'm loading. <laughs> Shit, you found me out. I'm a host. I'm getting my commands <laughs> from Ford. <laughs> Doesn't look like anything to me. So anyway, uh, Akachita walks up to Maeve's daughter at the camp with his hands like, I'm not going to hurt you. Yes. The, the the I don't have a scary knife in my hands, except I'm just wearing this scary paint. But I love him in the paint. He's awesome. Are you afraid of me? The daughter just looks past him at the man in black. Mm-hmm. That was slick. She's like, I'm afraid of the white one. 
<laughs> We're both people of color. We only have one man to fear here. <laughs> I'm afraid of the white one. That's a good call, kiddo. <laughs> All right, we can continue on with my story now. <laughs> so um, he can't hurt you. Uh, and that's when he asks her if she remembers all her lives, right? Because he does. He does. I can. I can. Um, and he goes on to start telling her about this. We go hard cut the black, which I thought was cool. And then we embark on this new story with even even the, the cinematography here is a little different. The sun is a little more lush and bright and the textures of the rug, the flower he leaves for her. And... The thing that I, something I I like a lot about this episode, and that I, the the choices that they made, and what's his name, Son McLaren, Clarenin. Yeah. I, I want to call him Hansi. It's really hard for me to move past that. <laughs> so if I call him Hansi, sorry. Um, I I love the fact that this is narrated in Lakota and not in English, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's you know talking to supposedly a host that mainly speaks English. And that he obviously can speak English as well. Right. I like the fact that he tells the story in Lakota because it says a lot about him as an actor and it doesn't change the emotional impact of the episode, which is really meaningful, I think. I think when you're reading subtitles an entire episode and you don't feel like you are, then you still feel emotionally impacted by it. That's really telling of the story that you've told and the way that it was acted out. Yep. Um, so... Just wanted to comment on that. I thought that that was a really good choice. I know people have said that in the comments, and I will look up who you are and thank you. But nice. I agree with you. It was a fantastic choice. I'm so glad they did it that way. It would. No, I don't think it would have been as good as if it was in English. I really don't. Yeah, there's something about that that really worked perfectly. Um, a little bit about this guy because it's it's cool to talk about him. But um, he is of. He is Lakota John slash, slash Irish. Oh my god! So kind of cool that what he, a nationality. He, his real name, his full name is Zan Tokiaku McLarnan. Oh um, she's my best friend. Native American Lakota Irish actor, best known for his performance in the Western crime dra- drama Longmire, and of course Hansi in Westworld. Do I have to watch Longmire? I'm sure he's uh, Hansi in Fargo. Sorry. But uh, he was born in Denver, Colorado, the son of Pa, Lakota mother, and Irish father. He grew up near Browning, Montana, where his father worked at Glacier National Park for the National Park Service. He would often visit the Blackfeet Indian Reservation, where his mother grew up and often lived, and his grandparents on weekends and for longer visits. His mother lived on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota. His father was relocated to Omaha, and the family lived in Dundee neighborhood. McLaren said he grew up in Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wyoming, Montana. McLaren has a fraternal twin brother. What? He said that his childhood was rough. The brother or McLaren? His childhood was rough. Sorry, that was a non sequitur. Um, Andrew Ramos in the chat says that his mother speaks Lakota in real life. He does too, I think. So yeah, so obviously, obviously. he must have spoke it growing up. And yeah. that's really fucking cool. And that makes me love him more. How old is he? Just curious. He's 52. Okay. A little so, old for me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he, um, yeah, cool too. I just figured give him some, give him some respect. We're really, we really love this guy in this household. No joke. He does not look 52. Like if you look at oh, pictures of him. Fantastic. Yeah. So um, this is the, uh, the line, take my heart where you go, take mine in its place. It's very sweet and romantic, kind of, and also creepy. We see Akachita's life 
uh, of peace with fellow tribe members. Uh, this beautiful life of peace he leads. We don't see war paint. They're just kind of going about their thing. Yeah, this is a very different Akachita than the one we we know and that we've seen. Indeed. Or, or, or that we think. Correct. Right. He's not exactly who we think he is. <laughs> Although I, I will give credit to a lot of our listeners who are like, I think the Ghost Nation guy is just trying to get an army of like woke hosts. And um, they were right. So good work, friends. Yeah, but not to kill. No, no, no. To, to get them together. That's what people were saying when everyone's yeah. like, oh, I don't think he's a bad guy. Yeah, he wants to enlighten people, which is cool. Um, so we see uh, Akachita's life of peace. Then I found something that changed all of our lives, right? Yes. He hears the gunfire in the distance. And what is he witnessing, Jessica? This is when Arnold was killed. That's right. By Dolores. So this is a long time all ago. All those years ago. 30 some odd years, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we see him walking upon a post-massacre. He heads in. He was a he was a bit of a nomad. Not really. He had a tribe, but he wandered far from camp. Obviously, I like to walk and stuff. We see the horse run across the graveyard. We've seen that shot before. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees the aftermath. He sees the bodies, and he just kind of walks among them, curious. I love this. I just like I like the way he silently and quietly walks among the dead. He heads into the. Uh... I just love him. His stoicism, his quietness, his calmness. He's just doing his thing. We are really gonna like. Suck this guy off hard. Like, there's a lot of love for this guy here. And I feel like we're going to talk about how awesome he is a lot. What does he find inside? So he goes inside the Mariposa. Is that Mm -hmm. where he goes in? He goes inside the Mariposa and... um, I think that's where he goes inside. There is the maze. He finds the maze, which we'd seen before because we see the whiskey next to it and stuff, right? Yes, and this was our big thing in, in season one was the maze, the symbol what did it mean? The man in black wanted to figure out how do you get to the center of the maze? Like he thought that was for him, but it wasn't for him. It was for them. The maze was created by Arnold. Correct. To see if the hosts could wake up essentially. Yeah. And all of a sudden, unbeknownst to him, his plan, he always worked with Dolores, but here is this random peaceful Indian bro who's like, oh shit, what's this? He finds it. And he really thinks about it's cool it. To, it's cool to think that Arnold designed their behavior with this almost like a visual program mm-hmm. that when he sees the pattern, it triggers something in him. And I imagine that anyone looking at this pattern, that it triggers something. And I just think it depends on how the host continues along that path. Sure. Or even maybe, as Ford says later, like, I designed you to be curious. Correct. So yep. maybe part of it is in their design. Like, Maeve was obviously designed to be smart and self-sufficient, to understand all these languages, to do all of this. Others and, were not. And maybe that's what made her quicker to do it. Maybe that's what made it different for Dolores. It's just the way she was designed as a person. And clearly, that's got to be part of the problem. Because I get it, because somebody had said, like, what happens to, if you see something that doesn't make sense with your world, it's like you don't see it. But we've seen from the beginning that everybody isn't actually affected that way. Right. We also have to remember, and, and I think this is something that we all tend to forget, myself included, and that's, remember when they were changing their, essentially, statistics? Mm-hmm. So imagine these guys like having character sheets, and they are programmed, and you can drag these sliders when you're playing. Say you're playing Skyrim, and you're changing your sliders for your little character, and you're like, I want to make them more intelligent, add some charisma, 
I want to make him aggressive. I want to, I want to change this. That's, they're not all the same. And yeah. I think people forget that. They have varying characteristics that are changed, which is why when Maeve got a hold of that thing, she's like, I'm going to go whoop, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up. It's possible, based on what you just said with Ford and Akachita, that he designed him specifically to be more curious. Hence, yes. when he sees the maze, it affects him differently because his literal statistic is higher than an average host. Yeah, then like if Teddy saw the maze and he'd be like, this looks like fun and he'd get a pencil and he'd, you know, try to <laughs> get to the center. Correct. Not now. Now yes. Teddy would smash on someone's face and murder them. That's but really the what old it, Teddy. Yes, that's really and, what it comes down to is that they're not, all hosts are not created equally. Even in this world, sorry guys, some people are just smarter than others. Yeah. And we're seeing that here, which is not necessarily intelligence, but his curiosity Whatever the slider is, if you could get that fucking iPad and look at their statistics, he would have certain statistics. Clearly, he didn't die in 10 years, so he's martially capable. Oh, I love that part. We know that too. Um, And and his curiosity is his resourcefulness. I'm sure these are higher because at the end of the episode, when he shows it to the guy, the guy doesn't understand it, right? He kind of just looks at it. And he's like, what does this mean? Correct. And then he tries to explain it to him more. Correct. So that's a good example of two hosts being very different mm-hmm. and why it affects one and not the other one. So you can't take things that happen to one host and say, why does it happen to every host? You have to remember that they're all created differently. That's what's so fascinating about the way they've been programmed. Now they're that like that humans. rant is over, let's <clears throat> move on. Okay, let's. So back at the camp, he shows uh, the skin of an animal. So this is where where we see he has changed a little bit. And um, the the other gentleman there, his name is Wana, Wanahatun. Wanahatun. Good for you. I'm not going to be able to say that the whole time. I'm going to call him that other guy. Wahanatun. Sorry, that's a tough one. Wanahatun, I guess. I'll okay. Say. Um, and he's like, your man is drawing the shit everywhere. He's losing his <laughs> fucking marbles, lady. Right. That's actually a direct quote, yeah. um, except it was in Lakota. <laughs> this bitch is at crazy town. Kick him off. And even she looks a little concerned. Like, Kick him out of the truck. What's going on? Yep. I find him drawing it when we hunt. I find him drawing it when he pees. He pees the fucking symbol. <laughs> like when you write your name, yes. like when men do that shit. Yeah. And then what do we do? While he's discussing this with her, we see him, K- Kahona, by the way. Kohana. 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 Uh, Love we her. see him. Real pretty. Yeah, in, by the way, in... She's in Wind River. In Wind River. And we love Wind River in this household also. Yes. Um, We're very big on Native American things, apparently. How the fuck was he not in this movie, in that movie? I don't know, but I love him so much. All right, let's... let's, In my mind, I'm going to put him in there. Okay. So, we see him carving it on the rock as they literally are calling him Crazy Pants. (laughs) That's how they get their names, Crazy Horse. And is that the rock? Crazy Pants. I was going to say, is that the rock that Maeve's daughter ends up with? But it's not. I lied. So I don't even know why I kept talking about it. Just let it go. It's okay. Okay. But yeah, you should let it go. Right, I did. Um, And then we have a cut to him being taken. Yes. And this isn't because of his behavior. This is a total happenstance. Yes. This is him being taken for Lee's fucking narrative. And what I love about this is when he's telling the story and narrating it, he says, like, this is the first time I lost her. Mm -hmm. This is so sad. Yep. Because he's, again, he's telling the story of loss and it's not like he's like, hey, they took me and they did this shit to me. He's like, this is when I lost her the first time. Mm -hmm. And we as a viewing audience are like, 
oh, the first time. Right. It's going to happen again. What's his problem? He got bored with his exquisitely dull pastoral existence. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was just for Beta. That wasn't something more exciting for the grand. They want something more exciting for the grand opening. Little more whatever. Ford wants a total narrative redesign, right? Correct. But if we recall, they want the strong dehumanize something brutal, dehumanize. They probably want the guests to feel better when they're kicking his ass. Who the fuck's going to help me rebuild this entire heuristic? They haven't even hired a full team yet. Uh, just tweak his aggression and build over what we're keeping. That's very important here, right? Yes. That's an important piece of dialogue. And this is something that we've seen, the idea that their memories, rather than being completely wiped or just written over, that there's still ways for hosts to access their own memories. Mm-hmm. Um, something we talked about in season one, and they make this very clear here, that they're like, hey, we didn't wipe any of his old shit. We're just going to essentially write over it. Mm-hmm. And not give them access to it, like right. regular access. Right. They don't because care. They also don't know. Yeah. They they that's one thing you you they can't really quantify with their little iPads is their awareness of or or sentience. Right. That's what they can't quantify. Um, just tweak his aggression and de-address pieces of his current build you're not keeping. So here's the one thing about this, and I know we've been saying like, oh, Lee's narrative and all this stuff with Ghost Nation, but it actually can't be timeline wise. Because he's going to be alive as a Ghost Nation member for nine years. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he hasn't so been alive yet. So this has to yet. be the original grand opening, like when Ford still opened despite Arnold committing suicide. And Lee didn't work there at that time? No. So, okay. So this this story, this part of Ghost Nation's story is not part of Lee's narrative. Got it. Okay. So I was just thinking of the timeline in my head. Right, So right. this is this is Because Arnold's- he wrote... Because remember in the first season where he makes up this crazy ghost nation thing and Ford tells him With to cannibals. go fuck himself. He's talking about like cannibals. Okay, and that's stuff. what yeah. it was. Got it. <laughs> so I think basically the timeline that we're on here is Arnold has killed himself or let Dolores kill him or whatever the, the case may be. And despite all of this, Ford is still doing what it takes to open the park at this point. And this is how this ghost nation storyline came to be. So the point where Akachita is entering Westworld as a member of Ghost Nation is the original opening of the park, is my assumption. Because also think about how far along he meets young Logan. Yep. Well, can't speak English, sorry. Yep. Keep all the old shit in there. (laughs) They destroyed the man I was, but then I was reborn and I came out breathing fire. Yeah, now he's real, real fucking cool. Now he's going to kill shit. So um, for many years, uh, they kicked ass, basically. We get this cool montage of, of their marauding, their life, murdering other hosts, tomahawking dudes in the chest, searching for new foes to conquer, always on the move. And we see this violent scene, the hit in the guy with the tomahawk, and then the slit in the guy's throat. Yep. We see it repeated a few times yep. because we're going to get to the point where he goes off his narrative. Correct. Finally, Correct. Um, which the show is smart about doing that. Yep. He's, showing he's us on the narrative what the narrative now. is. Correct. Yep. Yeah, because we see him at one point elect not to cut the guy's throat. Correct. Right. Yep. So they reprogram, repurpose him, put him out there, but he's still got these old memories out there that are kind of dormant now because they've been shrouded, cl- like clogged up with this new narrative. Correct. Um, but it's going to be triggered very shortly here. Mm-hmm. And how does that happen? I don't know. How does that happen? Well, before <laughs> that, he, he comes across an old friend. He finds Logan mumbling, naked, sunstroked. I like they call Logan his old friend. <laughs> Our old friend. Oh. Is what I meant to say. Logan's my bro. I used to hate him, and now I'm pretty cool with him. This is an illusion. This is all broken. They've got 
There's got to be a way out. Where is the door? This is the wrong world. Yes, which this piece of dialogue obviously sticks with him because this is what he keeps repeating. Mm -hmm. This is the thing that he's hanging on to. This world is wrong. This is the wrong world. There are other worlds. It's this constant, this is the wrong world that he kind of hangs on here. Yep. You know? And it makes sense. It's it's a latent memory that was triggered by a completely un... I mean, you can't really foresee this kind of anomaly. Logan laying out in the woods, fucking with the host's mind. But he does. And... um Akachita throws a blanket on him. I like his head turn here when he says the world is on all wrong. The realization, the way it hits, the way it hits Ake, it's just awesome. He's like, whoa, wait a yeah, second. Yeah, wait, what does this mean? Right. Um, I like he, that he leaves him there too, by the way. He's like, have a blanket. Your people will come for you. Right. <laughs> Bye. Um, his words cracked something open in me, right? Yes. And that's when we see... Um, Ake riding some more. He rides out, and this time, he gets to an old, familiar place. Not quite familiar, but it is, right? Yeah, not quite. So as he shows up, he says that uh, we see them trading. So this is so funny. They loop him back to his old tribe to trade. This is just how they have him running. Mm -hmm. And they, they show up with a wild boar. They trade it for some vegetables, I guess. Which is, okay. Well, because it makes sense because ghost nations seem to be more nomadic and these guys are more situated. So they probably do more farming and like things of this nature. And these guys are more hunters. And they were like, we'd like, we're going vegetarian now. (laughs) So can we have your corn and you can have our boar? Thank you. There you go. We've heard it. It's really helpful. Staying lean on the, there you go. On that diet. They're vegan. But, um, and then I saw her. And this, continues on and the the triggered memory this and this is the problem that they don't think about is how strong how curious how thoughtful she his memories of her are still in his mind and seeing her face to face triggers those memories which of course makes sense Mm -hmm. like haven't you in your life doesn't everybody you run into somebody and you're like oh this person you think of all these things or you're hanging out with someone you haven't hung out with in a long time you're like oh remember all these things that we did right. shit that you'd never think of and you'd never be like oh what about this thing in my life mm-hmm. unless something comes about to trigger it it's just like a really suppressed memory sure yep so this is a happy suppressed memory yep he gets a little flack for looking at her I look where I please he ain't fucking around he says he'll skin the kid go join the other strays so they kind of they kind of muscle him out, but the damage has been done. He's like, "Oh, better kidnap that bitch tonight." Oh. <laughs> better to get my fucking princess capturing night raid going. Some fucking Robin Hood, I know, climbing in the windows of the princess. I was like, "This guy is going to get himself killed." First of all, and when he ever like creeps in that tent, uh, it was like every murder show that I fear. Like, you fear painted men crawling no. through your window? No. Yes. Like really? the idea of that shit is so fucking scary. It's like I'm telling you, I just listened to a podcast about a really scary guy who basically was like hiding in somebody's walls and then he came out of the walls with like fucking war paint on his face wearing their dead mother's wedding dress. Yep. I still have nightmares about this. Um, the podcast was Generation Y podcast. I guess I should give them a shout out even though they don't know who I am or give a shit about me. But I do listen to their podcast every week. Anywho, is that not creepy as fuck? Very. Did you have your sleeping? You wake up and there's someone with fucking paint on their face there. 
I mean, anyone there is creepy. Sometimes it's creepy when it's you, Dean, honestly. (laughs) But like the warping really makes a difference. So you're telling me to put the Wolfman mask away? I, I can't like that. No I, more Wolfman mask. I, I am so bullshit. scared of anything that even like leans towards murder. I'm sorry. My, what big eyes you have. <laughs> this, the chat, the better to see you with. The chat's good. Scott says, how do you meet your wife? Well, I stole her out of her tent from the neighboring tribe. <laughs> and Patrick Harrington said, how I met your mother reboot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not what I was watching. I thought this was the How I Met Your Mother reboot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Scott says, I, I, I like how his buddy looked at the corn like, the fuck? <laughs> like, we got fucking ripped off in this deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm so, glad we found some humor in this episode that is only sad and beautiful. Good work. Yeah. Good work, guys. With each passing day, my sense grew stronger, right? So yeah. what, then he goes what, to right? I had lived another life before this one. This is, and I'm not going to say it every time, but this is intercut with him telling May's daughter all this stuff. You, just, you need to know that. Yeah, and we're all like, "Really, Maeve's daughter's awake?" Yeah, a little convenient. I don't like it. Right? Everybody felt that way. She's because, awake. No, she's obviously not. Yeah, but I love the fact that like, oh, oh they switch room. I, I love that because yeah. that was the one part of this episode that aggravated me the whole first time I watched it. I'm like my. Biggest problem with this episode and the thing I'm going to go on the podcast and gripe about is how fucking convenient it is that Maeve's daughter's awake too. Oh, oh. Like that really aggravated me. Very that was the only now. thing. And then I was so pumped when that wasn't the case. I was like, oh, you people who run this show, <laughs> whoever you may be, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> gotcha. You're fucking thrilled with yourself. Guys, if you could see how happy she is with herself, I wish we had a video feed. <laughs> She's so happy with herself. She had to sit back and laugh and in in and laugh I at how know why. hilarious she thinks she is. I am really funny. Um, this gets to the nervous stuff you were talking about where he doesn't kill the guy again. He tells his men to finish him and he starts wandering around a little bit. Is this when he finds the door and then he steals her? I go way ahead because I was just thinking about him stealing her. Correct. He finds okay. the door first. Um he he, but in that process, he's remembering her. He's becoming reminded of of what it was. Um, he says things like, "Perhaps this was not my true life. The world was not my true home, but she was." He rides again. Um, he wants to go to look for the newcomer, but the yeah, newcomer, he's got Logan. But the newcomer is gone. He's fucking doing heroin somewhere. Um, so he rode farther. He finds a passage to <laughs> another world, a door. This is the wrong world. He remembers Logan's words. He realizes that Logan was right now. Yep. Here's the other world. He's got to go get his woman and go. Very cool. So he kidnaps her in the night. And it should be noted that there's plenty of splashes of him riding his horse and him traveling and just how amazing it is. The, the, the Like I said, the sweeping vista, the beautiful cinematography of this episode of this man riding fucking bareback, by the way, on his horse like a boss. Whoa. Just good shit. Yeah, we can't like talk about all that or the whole podcast would be like, and then he rode on his horse. <laughs> what like, did you think about that? Lord theme? of the Rings, and then they walked. <laughs> For so, oh, they're jogging. Oop, they're jogging. So long. They're jogging now, they're oh, hiding. They're eating oh. second breakfast. <laughs> but um, so this is the night raid. Yeah, the, the part that gives me nightmares and scares me. <laughs> like, I was determined to escape this world. 
he says. What were you going to say? I'm just thinking about being in bed and so stroking my hair. I turn around, they have Indian war paint on. It's really freaking me out. Well, there goes that idea. (laughs) (laughs) No. I would literally, like, fucking piss my pants. Like, no joke. The the end. Taps her on the shoulder, makes sure to uh, hold her mouth because she's doesn't remember him yet. She needs a little more pushing, a little more convincing, right? Her yeah, but, stats aren't quite as good as his. But she's good because she's like scared, but he's like, hey, don't scream. And she's like, well, this guy's going to murder the fuck out of me. So I guess I'll just go. Like she gives in. Like this is well, what she I would... recognizes him too, I think, because they trade think... with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she still knows he's from Ghost Nation. And they're bad dudes. Okay. I just feel like she does what I would do in this situation. <laughs> if someone came in my room and tried to kidnap me, I'd be like, just fucking take me and kill me quickly. Nice. Like, Real was, fighter, this I'm one. I'm not going to put up a fight. That's Are you too serious? Scary. What's wrong with you? It would be too scary. You fight to the death. You're going to die anyway. Yeah, but that would be terrifying for me. <laughs> so is being dead. No, then I'd just be cease to exist. You just die? I just cease to exist. You're, so you're a little sheep? I'm going to have an existential crisis tonight. Oh, God, I'm never going to sleep. <laughs> About just letting someone murder you? How is that an existential crisis? No, ceasing to exist is an existential crisis. Okay, well, you'll be fine. Like when that person sneaks into my room and I say, just fucking kill me quick. Because the rest is too scary. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's really exist. riveting podcasting material there. Let's go to um, okay, great. him pulling her out of the tent and going away with her. Luckily, he doesn't murder her. He loves her instead. Yep, he, he takes her off the horse, and he's like like a stray dog, like approaching her, like, don't bite me. Don't bite me, doggy. <laughs> oh, how many times have I done that at work? Okay. And then uh, he cuts her free. And I like this. I like how he's quiet, and he doesn't say much to her. He wants her to, he wants her trust, and that's when he says her name. And Does this he? shit, he says, Koa. Oh. This shit's awesome. When he takes her hand, puts it on his chest. Like, I, I like this. I like mm-hmm. this approach to trying to get her memory to work. It's what he thinks will work, and that's what he's doing. He's not going to sit here and give this dumb, long dialogue. He's going to do it in his way. He's yeah. going to do it in the Akachita way. Puts yeah. the hand on her chest, and that's when, take my heart where you go, right? She whimpers, she cries, and uh, she realizes it. Take mine in its place. And uh, it's intense. I love the scene. It's really, really beautiful, to be perfectly honest with you. I agree. And I'm not going to make a joke about Stockholm Syndrome, although I thought about it. Yeah, it doesn't really apply here. Well, yeah, when you fall in love with your kidnapper, it's called Stockholm Syndrome. He's he's her liberator. At least that's <laughs> what I tell the runaways. I'm here to free you, girls. Into the trunk. <laughs> here, put your hand on my chest. Take my heart, or I will take Lower. yours. <laughs> L- Lower. Not that heart. Into the trunk you go. (laughs) Yes, this is a very sweet scene. Well, so he takes her off of the ride and he takes her to, he he tells her about the door. He tells her about how this is not the real life, right? This world, it's wrong. This is not the true world. We need to leave. I think I've found the way out. Let me show you. And the door is gone. And she's probably like, I have made a terrible mistake. (laughs) You got a job, Akachita? <laughs> you gonna put a teepee over my head? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the troubles of the nomadic. Oh lifestyle. my god! But he has this tender moment with her at the campfire. I feel as I've loved you for many lifetimes. 
Uh, the true world is close. I can feel it. It's calling to us. What's on the other side? Somewhere our memories will be safe. Pretty cool. Correct. But um, we're almost free, but they discovered us again. Big plot point here, right? And that's when he sees her being loaded into a car by a couple of techs. Like, what the fuck is she doing out here? They drive her away, and she is gone. And to the overall complaint of Brian Blake, who said, how come they took her and not him? Didn't they realize he was out there? We have to remember this was a while ago. So there's a possibility that maybe they don't have that information that he's out there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, maybe they're just doing sweep of the area and they see her and they're like, what the fuck is this bitch doing out here? Mm-hmm. Also, maybe he he's from a different tribe than her. She's not supposed to leave her tribal area. She's he's way a, out of there. He's a nomadic yeah. ghost nation, bro. He just goes around killing fuckers. Correct. So him being all the way out there is not abnormal. Correct. Her being out there is abnormal. That was That's the answer. So... That because he doesn't, helps. he doesn't, he is supposed to be wandering. She is not. She's way out of her area. Yeah. And that's why they collected her and not him. And they left the horse and they saw that it was there, so. Right, because it's his horse. Well, I don't think they can fit the horse in that car. That'd be kind of funny scene know, to watch. That horse was really cute and I liked him. That's, that's I wonder good if he stuff. has a name. <laughs> yes, he does. He does? It's, the horse? It's Mikante Kiyuhaya, yay. No, that's not the name of the horse. That's the whole <laughs> sentence. <laughs> What is he, like, from a breeder? Like, this is, like, people get dogs from breeders, and their name is, like, sunshine, stardust, on a rainbow of a moon. We already did this bit. We talked about how dog breeders do that? Mm -hmm. When? Because we were talking about what would be the name. Because remember, Matt had a goofy dog name. It was, like, three names. And then you were talking about breeders with these crazy names. What was that, like, a year ago? I don't remember what podcast that was on. I don't even remember the name of this podcast. I can't remember jokes I made that long ago. It wasn't on Westworld, though. Where am I? Crickets. I'm done. I'm just saying I'm done. Crickets. So anyway, we were almost free, but she's discovered again. So he sneaks in again. He's like, I'll fucking take her again. I don't give a shit. Yeah. He's I'll like, kidnap 10 girls. Or he did it once. <laughs> I don't care. Once you kidnap one, you get a taste for it, I think That's is what right. they say. <laughs> That's what my parole officer tells me. You eventually just move right on up to the murder. Just saying. So he goes in, sweeps the hair back, and a gasp. He sees a ghost face. I, I love that he calls her a ghost. That's cool. I think that that's, that's great dialogue. It was a great choice mm-hmm. of warding. He's obviously overwhelmed. Him walking away from the tent TP is very sad. He's very hurt. A lot of pain here. <clears throat> but he watches her because now he's not sure what's going on. He notices some other people are different too. He does. They took her from me again. I saw through their lies. He tells Mame's daughter he'd find her again. Many distant territories he searched. Many hostile towns. An easy target for enemies. We see him wandering around to very many towns, right? Mm-hmm. Cut to him crawling while wounded. Yeah. He feared if he died, he'd lose his memory of her. Yes, because he, at this point, probably has the idea that that's happened before. On my darkest day, you helped me. You gave me the strength to keep going. You saw me for who I really was. And that's when we cut to Maeve getting this, but we see Maeve's daughter offering the water. Yes. And we see Maeve is getting this. So this will tie into the end of the episode nicely. It, it's smart because he's, he speaks to both of them at different times. Yeah. Yep. It's cool. But we, we keep cutting to Maeve when he's speaking directly in that manner where she is, which is smart. Nice. So, Akachiti gets home, lots of new ghosts, many people replaced. I was no longer the only one who noticed. And that's when the woman notices, right? She's like the elder woman. Yeah, what's her name? 
Her name is. It is Wichapi. Wichapi. That one's easy. Yep. Wichapi. There's Sarah Alamy is called New Kohana. <laughs> not, not ghost. That's hilarious. Ghost Kohana. Wichapi is the uh, is the tribe leader. Yeah, she's she's cool. I like her. She is cool because she starts to realize what's that's something this fuckery afoot, right? Yeah, and she says she's heard stories. Indeed. Of the place that they go and they can't find their way back out. Underneath, right? The ones below, she yes. calls them. And that's when he knew how to find her again. That's when uh, Akichita says, wait a second, I know how to find her again. Hmm. We'll go underground. Yeah, by dying. We? Yes. He's arriving at the same conclusion Maeve did. Glorifying suicide. Just kidding. What? I said glorifying suicide. <laughs> it's a hot button topic, okay? I guess. But um, he commits death by cowboy, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Guy just stabs him. I search everywhere for my love except the other side of death. Hey, real quick. Native American as fuck. Tech scene. We see like a cheetah, aberrant behavior. We learn that he was an Alpha 2. Yeah, I love their reaction. This is great. They're like, what is he? And they're like, Alpha 2. And the lady's like, he was an, he's not an Alpha. Like, you guys are wrong. You're wrong about everything about who he is. This is a total aberration. And, and the fact that he, they say, in... Again, this was, and I'm not picking on Brian Blake, but his comment just had a lot of like his negatives in it. So it's easy for me because I just read it to like touch upon it. Um, the idea that they only update them when they die. Mm-hmm. Well, who's them? I think maybe Ghost Nation. No, but they, no, all of the hosts. Like they essentially said, like we only update the hosts when they die. Oh, he just says them. I didn't know what he meant by them. Either way, indefinite so maybe, maybe article. He just meant Ghost Nation, but that, I don't know if because that makes they sense. die all the time. Sure, that's certainly possible, but I also think the idea of these more outsider characters who don't have huge storylines, the in in Westworld itself, like I can imagine, like every few days, they're like, "All right, we got to upgrade Dolores. She's really important to people of the park. Like, we got to upgrade Maeve now when she dies." Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You're talking about logistically, yeah, guys on the outskirts. Why would they bother but, with them? But even in general, I I, I imagine maybe earlier on when they just had to do basic updates, they were only updating when they died because people died enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't find that to be super unbelievable, she, especially because we're also talking about still an earlier version of the park than where we are now. She, she, that's, I think that's the key because she kind of looks at him like, that's stupid. She gives the tech a look like, this probably is a policy we should look at changing. You know you what I mean? Tell by I'm, who- I'm really reading into that policy, but I'm, but I feel like, I definitely, it definitely makes sense because it's an earlier iteration of the park. They don't have as many people, perhaps. Well, this they, lady who is the boss is someone we've never seen before. Correct. So we know this is a while ago. They're mm-hmm. doing that on purpose. They're not showing us a young Teresa Cullen or a young Lee Sizemore or a young anybody that we know. Sure. They're literally showing us a human being we don't know. So I think we're meant to believe that this was still a little while ago. There you go. So that would be my best, you know, just commentary on that in general. It's not bad. Well, so um, they're like, let's update them. It's only going to be four hours. Which I also feel like it's much quicker now. So that's more like yep. hinting that it's a while ago. Four hour update. You want to babysit him? I mean, that's probably a bad policy. At least lock the door he's in. But whatever. That's kind of a Westworldism. Yeah. They do let these guys roam a little bit. Yeah, this, this, this 
the complaint of he just fucking walked around, no one was there, and he knew exactly where to go. Yes, of course, that's a valid complaint. Yep. 100%. Fun. It doesn't work. But you know what? It's fucking gorgeous and beautiful. And watching him get in the escalator is fantastic. And the music, and when he walks into cold storage, I literally don't wow. fucking care. I will suspend my disbelief all day. All day. Well, let's talk about it because that's this. what's happening. Um, it's cool just to watch him in his garb in this traditional garb he's wearing to walk among all this technology. Yes, the escalator. I love it. He instinctively it. knows how to use it. He's like, okay, I'll just stand on this thing. It'll take me down. He walks by these rooms. We see a ram, like one of those rams. It's just rando. Just like, hey, bud. And uh, he finds himself uh, down at the cold storage area for what is a very heartbreaking moment in this show. Yeah, I cried at this part the first time I watched it. By myself, thank God. When he realizes she isn't conscious and isn't ever going to be, it's brutal. And they're just all standing out there naked as shit, and he's doing his thing, and he walks up to him, and um, he just cries. That was the moment I saw beyond myself. So you're feeling this... You're feeling this. He's feeling this. Everyone watching it's feeling it, unless you don't have a soul, which I guess is possible. And then you start to go, oh. And then it becomes even more intense when he says, my pain was selfish. Yeah. And like, oh, could this guy be any more of a good guy? Mm-hmm. And he says, because it was never only mine. For everybody in here had someone out there who mourned them. Even if they didn't know why. Even if they didn't know why. That is so intense. What a great piece of awareness to have to realize all of the pain around you. Native American as fuck. Like he sees the bigger picture. He sees the effect on everyone. He's, he's sensitive to it. He, he understands it. It is so good. It's, a, it's such a dick kick. It's, it's just, he's looking for her. He sees her, how happy he is. Like, Kahana, let's go. Let's go home. He realizes she's not awake. His sadness, then his realization of of what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. And then eventually his resolve to make others aware of what he is aware of so that they can leave this world. Yep. And this is long before Dolores and Maeve were looking to leave this world, guys. Mm -hmm. Just saying. The reason why they might be looking to leave this world, at least in Maeve's case, might be because of him. Right. In that drawing. Yep. So, just gotta throw that out there. When he returns his son's hair to the woman, that's sad. Very sad. That's rough. And um, him sitting back in the chair. Crying. Talk about resolve. Him, after witnessing all this stuff, going back and just sitting down in the chair. He has to. He knows he has to. But this is the resolve I talk about. Correct. He knows he has to do this because he has to go back and have other, get other people on board. Yep, yep. Love him. So um, he returns his son's hair. He talks, uh, we're all bound together, the living and the damned. And we cut to Maeve and, and Lee. Yeah. What do you think of that shit? This scene made me cry too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, fuck, of all the things I said about Lee and how terrible he was. I And I've spent a lot of the season saying Lee cares about Maeve like he cares about Maeve. Like he really, really does. And to see it was pretty fantastic, honestly. And the, the stuff he says to her, he's like, we shouldn't have done this to you. You should have been a mother to your daughter and taught her how to love. And he's talking to her. He knows she's a robot. He wrote her fucking code. 
he wrote her story and he still is like, you should do these things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's really fantastic. Very cool. It's in a row. It's just these three scenes of like grief from people and, and just, just fantastic, fantastic acting. Like just back to back to back to back. Three yep. very strongly emotional scenes. <clears throat> I want to, I want to read Aaron Fallon's comment now. I'm going to jump to the second paragraph. She says, I feel this may be a bold statement, but the cold storage scene might be the most perfect scene in the entire show for me. Um, editorial by me. You might be right. Even she with can, all the penises? She continues by, especially with all the penises. Hmm. She continues by saying, between Zahn's incredible performance, the instrumental of heart-shaped box, even just how beautiful the visual of Ake in his stark makeup, which I, which I loved, among all the bland decommissioned hosts was stunning. Mm, I agree. Anyone else really intrigued by the overlay of Ake's monologue about being bound, where they show Maeve the living and then Lee the damned? Ooh. Interesting. I like that. Because what Ake was actually saying was the damned are them. Because yeah. they're on these repeating processes and the and the living are the others. But I like the flip-flop on that. Me so too. Good stuff out of Aaron. Thank you for that. <clears throat> well. Sorry. Lee, I've never met for any of this to happen. You don't deserve this. You deserve your daughter to mother her. Teach her to love, to be joyful and proud. I'm sorry. Yeah, Lee Sizemore really, uh, he really won me over here in this one. I gotta say. He's been winning me over all season and this was a real turning point. I like seeing this arc for Lee. I like seeing that he does feel something for Maeve. Uh, not just Maeve specifically, but everything he's ever been a part of. I mean, he's starting to realize that it, it goes beyond machinery. It's hard. This is um, this is a, a reckoning for him, and he's seeing yes. it in Maeve. This is a person who's literally like, Maeve, I wrote you. Like, I wrote you. I know all this. Like, this doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. Like, don't you understand? None of this means anything. I wrote these words down. And to watch him cry and be emotional and apologize sure. and, and to to look at Maeve like she's a real person, I think is a real character arc and real character growth for someone like Lee who is so useless in season one that I was like, why is he even a part of the show? Yep. In the chat too, it was Brian Campbell. He was talking about, um, from his perspective, he may have thought he was in love with her. I think referring to what was going on in this episode. But it made me think of something, and Matt and I just talked about this particular episode of Battlestar Galactica. He, Lee thought he's in love with Maeve. No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I totally disagree with that. No, no, okay. bad tangent. I think, I think, I think he's implying possibly Akechita in uh, in Ko- Ko- Kohana. Is he writing that in the chat now? Is Am he? I not getting the full chat? Oh, I thought you said the chat. No, um, Facebook. Oh, wow, I'm we're like, all over the place. I don't think he's in the chat right now. So Facebook. Now that we got that solved, he um. He, uh, he's in, <laughs> we, Matt and I just talked about this and I want to relay it to Battlestar Galactic because it actually connects and it's, you know, one of the characters is in love with another character. That other character doesn't seem to be who you think the character is. And the guy who was in love with her starts to question this. And oh, he's I like, I guess I wasn't ever in love with her. He goes, I thought I was. It's No. And that's when Adama says to the guy, he says, then you did love her because that's what love is. Thoughts, right? It makes sense. If you think you love somebody, then you, you do. You, you're thinking of that, then you, then you do. It means something. And I just like that idea. And that goes into everything that happens in Westworld. That's the, 
the whole crux of empathizing with the hosts is that right there. And I think Adama's quote was, if you think you're in love with someone, then you are. That's what love is, thoughts. And I thought that was very relevant to this week's episode of Westworld, which is cool that we just talked about it on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Because it is one of the major things that you can hang everything on in Westworld, which is, oh, they're not people. They're just robots. They don't really feel things. But they do if they're programmed to. You're just trying to absolve yourself of the guilt of making it feel something because to you, it's not the same equivalency. But if it is, if you can quantify it with machinery, then maybe it is. And maybe you shouldn't be a terrible person to a host. Right? Right. That's kind of the whole point of the fucking show. Correct. Anyway, where was I? Um... So, Lee. Lee wonders, uh, you know, is she, why hasn't she been fixed? And the guy says, listen, get out of here. Roland, ugh. Apparently, they are still testing her, and Maeve's fate rests in Hale's hands. Ugh. Who I hate as much as Roland, <clears throat> honestly. And that's when um, we get our boy saying, I dedicated my life to sharing this symbol. I started with my men. It means that you can see. You've seen it before. They took it from you, right? Yes. I wanted to help you. I wanted to warn you. But in this world, it's easy to misunderstand intentions, I wanted to give you the truth. I watched over you day after day trying to keep you safe. And in these scenes where he's saying you, you, you. Indeed. The cut shots we're looking at are not cut shots of Maeve's daughter, but specifically of Maeve. It's I tried to keep you safe while Maeve runs in the house, while she shuts the door, while she takes the gun. Mm -hmm. So this is filmed in a very specific way where every time we're saying you, 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 we're seeing Maeve. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, man, and that's what that's what we're seeing. And of course, the um, the symbol outside the door, trying to keep you safe. Um, we see Maeve and her daughter open the door to discover the symbol, and that's when the ghost said we should be scared. Yeah, she calls him the ghost. Very cool. No one's coming for us, but somebody does come for them. Exactly. And, and this is the, the the one part where he speaks to Maeve that is specifically to Maeve where there's no mistaking it, where she says, I promise no one is coming for us or whatever she says. And he says to Maeve's daughter, essentially, but you couldn't keep that promise. Right. So at this point, when I'm rewatching the episode, I'm like, oh, this is, this is our smoking gun here. Of, sure. This is where he was clearly talking directly to Maeve. And if you were just paying close enough attention the first time around, you'd be like, wait a second, what did you right. just say? Yep, absolutely. And then uh, he, uh, someone else is watching you too. This motherfucker over here. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he wakes up over the years. Uh, as the years passed, our numbers grew. We were waking up. One night I met a man who put us to sleep in the first place. And this is a great scene, too. Another standout scene. And it looks so cool. It looks awesome. I had this really terrifying feeling the way it was shot. I was watching it, and I thought to myself, I have a feeling Ford is just going to say freeze all motor functions and leave him amongst the mural. <laughs> like, I was terrified this was his end. And Ford was going to say, hmm, curious, and just leave him. It like, see how they're all. End. He has a whole. No, I know, but yeah. see how they're all paused like that? I was like, oh, he's going to leave him there frozen with all the other guys fighting the fucking Forever? giant bear. They're going to wake up eventually. Right. But um, I've been watching you. You've been watching me. This is a misbegotten symbol, an idea that was meant to die. 
So Ford's curious about this symbol. Ford is not the one who put the symbol there. That was Arnold's doing. That was Arnold. Because Arnold was using it to give Dolores... Conscience. Or whoever. Conscience. Conscience. <laughs> Conscious. I can't speak English and like my nose is so stuffy that I sound like a yeah, weirdo Yeah, it's getting really bad as, a, as the episode goes on. It's getting worse. I feel bad for you. I know. It's it, it's because I took my allergy morning medication early this morning, like early, early, early as a 24-hour allergy medication. So it's right. pretty much. No, just do your now. sniffling off, off mic. I'm trying. Be fine. I'm trying. So anyway, you, um, uh, when the death bringer killed the creator. I love, love, love that he calls her the death bringer Mm -hmm. and that he calls Arnold the creator. Yeah. Ford is the man that put them to sleep, but Arnold is the creator. I like that a lot. It's awesome. And there's also a great shot in it and you can interpret it in many ways. And it's, there's one where Ford is standing, all the other frozen ghost nations are behind him and then Akachita's to his right. So all of the toys behind him that he controls and then the one he kind of doesn't. It's just neat. It's a great shot. But you can still, it's interesting because Akachita is awake, um, but he responds to Ford's voice commands. he's got that God and, power. And the acting is fantastic too in the way that he speaks. His voice changes completely. Yeah. yeah. Like his accent changes completely. Yeah. It's really... Um, and you can see it. It affects him emotionally as he feels like he's defying this and, and this is an emotional thing for him because when he does answer truthfully, it's intense. Like you can see it on his face. It, it makes me think of when Hale was talking to Bernard in the last episode about where Abernathy is and Bernard like cries and even right. though he's supposed to be like, you know, um, in analysis mode, he can't, he's still emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be noted as it was pointed out in the chat, we didn't even touch upon it, but Ford scalping all of them, just looking at the map, wondering yes. what the fuck is going on. Like, you don't often see Ford... With blood on his hands? With literally. blood on his hands, literally, or stumped. I like it a lot. It's, it's cool to see him stumped. But he's still so composed, as right. only Anthony Hopkins can be. Right. Oh, angel among men. <laughs> Love him. I gave myself a new drive. He says I was dry. I was driven to what protect his tribe or something. Yeah, but now he's like, I have a new. I I gave myself a new drive mm-hmm. to spread the truth that there isn't one world, but maybe, and we live in the wrong. Uh, there isn't one world, and maybe we live in the wrong one. This will help them find the door. I believe there is a door hidden in this place, a door to a new world that contains everything we've lost, including her. But he doesn't say including her right away. It's almost like this. Yeah, there's everything we've in there. lost. Sure. Including her. Because this isn't the information he wants to give to Ford. No, he doesn't. But it's interesting and important information for Ford. And Ford says something that's important. I built you to be curious. Look at this empty world and read meaning into it. All this time, you've been a flower growing in the darkness. Perhaps the least I can do is offer some light. When the Deathbringer returns for me, you'll know to gather your people and lead them to a new world. Keep watching, Akachita, for a while longer. I love that even here, Ford is already thinking about his ending, his of new narrative. Of course. You know what I mean? Ford's, Ford's new narrative. Yep. Here is part of it. He's like, hey, when I die, you better start your, your war, essentially. And what do we see? We see him walking to the aftermath of his death. We see Akachita walking amongst the bodies again. Akachita's seen a lot of shit. Yeah, yes. He's seen the death. Well, he's seen the aftermath of Arnold and Ford's death. That's huge. It's really cool. 
He finds him on the stage dead. Now it's time to find the door before the Deathbringer ends us all. Guess we're pitting him against Dolores, perhaps. Love that they call her the Deathbringer. Me too. Again. It Me is. too. And what I love is that Akachita calls her the Deathbringer. And then Ford says it. I love when Ford, like brings it back and he's like, well, the Deathbringer comes for me. Like, I love his understanding that that is how, that that is how it's going to happen. Yep. That he sure. knows. Yep. So. Sorry. I'm, Emily I'm shows like, up and. Not Grace. Emily. <laughs> if he is your father, you know his sickness and what he's done to spread it. She looks hot in this fucking cowboy get up. Yeah, Dean was so into her in this but, episode. But um, no I like, joke. this is a cool scene, man. I like how. I like the shit with the, like like you said about the languages. This is fantastic. How very, the first time we see uh, the man in black with Akachita, he's, you know, he speaks Lakota to him and he's like, I don't, I never learned whatever language Ford taught you. And then Akachita speaks in English mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And then we watch Emily speak to the members of Ghost Nation and Lakota. Man in black has no clue what she's saying. Right. And what she's basically saying is I want to, I want him to suffer, and trust me, he will suffer more with me than he will with you. So intense. And I, I love that she can say that, and here he is thinking he's being rescued, when maybe that's not the case at all. I, in, it's, in, it's cute, and if you don't pay attention, they, they set up for this in the very first scene. And it's also, it's also a situation where he... Just helps him load him up. He's like, okay. He's like, all right. Let's load this fucker up. (laughs) I can tell as a daughter of an absentee father that you're really, you're going to take him to therapy and it's going to be pretty painful for him sitting on that couch. So they ride out. It's time to go. I've always kept you safe and I always will, but I couldn't help you. I am sorry. Cut to Maeve. The dude's working on her. Hale shows up. They talk about the mesh network, which has been mentioned. Yes. It has been. We've and, and it's been mentioned in terms of passing information a lot of times for navigation purposes. But now they're saying, what if you can pass commands? Well, we've seen that happen through the mesh network. That's been whole, Maeve's whole shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells Hale that Maeve has admin access, reprogramming hosts on the fly. She wasn't doing it out there. She was doing it. She isn't just doing it out there. She's doing it now. And that's when Hale's like, "What the fuck is going on?" She's like, "Who the." fuck are you talking to? To me. We will guard your daughter as... Oh, this, this, these lines are so good out oh, of him. I know. So, so badass. We will guard your daughter as our own. Stay alive. Find us. Or die well. Take my heart when you go, Maeve says. Boom. I love that she says that to him too. Because she just listened She's to his whole story. Correct. Like she knows that's like this cornerstone for him and for Kohana. And I don't know. I really love it. I love it. I love Maeve. It's very cool. I love Akachita. Love him. Love him, love him, love him. There you go. So that's the episode. Very emotionally impactful. Yep. I'm going to do, uh, I guess I'm going to do another listener comment. If you want to queue it up, you can. I'm going to do Fiona Ward says, what a beautiful one hour movie that was. Up until a certain point, I was like, yeah, this is nice. A little backstory here. Lovely views here. Then bam, he finds his love in cold storage. He says her name so quietly, so innocently, I could feel his little mechanical heartbreak. The show continues to surprise me, and I love it. Okay, just because I talked about it a zillion times, I'm going to read Brian Blake's comment. To some degree, it's super long, so I'm just going to kind of go. Um, I guess I'm in the I guess I'm in the minority, but I was not a fan of this episode. I almost want to say I hated it, but I'm holding back until after the podcast. Um, he was reminded of the same thing happening, a similar thing happening in The Walking Dead, where essentially what he's trying to say is like there's this 
great cliffhanger. And then all of a sudden, they did a standalone episode about a character that no one really cared about where they basically changed their personality. I'm paraphrasing. Yep. That's what he's comparing it to. Yep. Um, then nitpicky things. They only update the host when they die. He's fully functioning during what I assume is basically an OS update. I have no fucking clue, dude. This is Westworld technology. I don't um, think it's Windows tech. Which I understand that. I know what he's that saying. Complaint. Yeah. Um, empty labs room to walk around in. I agree. He knows his way around the labs. I agree. Um, the security team only took his lady away. We talked about that. Whatever happened to the host not seeing things that harm the reality. Um, so just seeing the maze sets them on about the path that to waking up. They just let Logan. Yep, we talked about that. They too. just let Logan sit in the desert and get a heat stroke. Call OSHA. <laughs> um, the man in black star just strolls up to the group she fearfully ran away from a few episodes ago. No one bats an eye. Um, he knows that he can wake himself up after being killed. I don't necessarily know if he knows that he can do that. He, I just he, think yeah. he thinks it's his last option. Correct. Um, so he started drawing the maze so others can see it and can start to wake up. And the next logical move is to tattoo it under the scalps of the hosts. No, no, no. What? That was Arnold. While this did answer a question I had from season one, where did all the images come from? I feel the answer is pretty lame. Again, I don't buy just seeing that it means anything to the host. We talked about that. That's Arnold's doing. I'm assuming that because I originally had the same exact thought you had. Is like, wait, is he lifting up their scalps and tattooing it on and then sewing them back on? Like, Who? I don't want to. Oh, for no, he was no, discovering no, 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 no. Akachita. No, because you watch him scalp his friend. Right. So I was like, wait, is he scalping them and drawing the map under their scalps? Like, I had the same thought. Oh, I see. I, I literally had the same thought that he did. So that's why, like, that complaint, I'm like, I, I thought the same thing the first time I watched it. But I don't think it's that. I think that they're just under there and they're finding, like, Akashita is finding that it is under there or whatever the case may be. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I feel like the show made it seem that Dolores took decades before she woke up. And what was working with one-on-one with Arnold for the first few days, having the reveries in our system, now it seems like hosts are waking up simply because it's convenient to the story. Um, how do supposedly human characters keep finding each other in a park that's easily 20 square miles? It's twice now that Man in Black's daughter just happens upon her dad. I say this because I'm not sure about the Man in Black's daughter. So that's that's that comment. There you go. That's the gist of it anyway. Yeah. Some 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 definitely uh, legitimate stuff in there. I don't want to sit here and refute his whole fucking email because that's no fun for him to write in and us to shit on it the whole time. I didn't shit on it. I, I didn't say like you I, did. Oh, I was saying okay. I don't want to do that because he has some good points too. And I feel like I tried to, just because this is fresh in my mind and this is the only real majorly negative thing that I feel like I really tried to touch upon the stuff in there that yeah. I agree and disagree I with throughout absolutely the absolutely think it's good to have some balance in there. Um, I already read Alan. We had Fiona and um, I will read... Jason Tick's last paragraph, he says, also, last season I sort of felt it. This season I really do. The symbolism of the maze reminds me of the yellow sign from Robert Chambers' book, The King in Yellow. Whenever someone receives the sign, their lives are forever changed. They are damned in the book. It will be interesting to see what happens to our hosts that have encountered the maze sign. So pretty cool. I like that thought process of, is it, does this mean something for anyone who's ever witnessed the actual sign itself? I like it. What else? Um, Brian Campbell also said, um, riddle me this. If the suffering causes the host to become self-aware, could the man in black have been trying to wake Dolores through causing her suffering over and over again? I know this was an ongoing discussion, and Daniel Felch said he felt that the episode implied that wasn't suffering, but love that was the X factor. Um, but maybe the man in black thinks that suffering is the key because that seems in character for him, which I agree with. Um, I think that that makes sense that perhaps the man in black thinks that suffering is the key where it's actually love, but that doesn't, you know. It could be anything, yeah. 
Um, so I think that's just an interesting discussion and a thing to yeah, think for about sure. and to watch. Maybe different hosts have different things. I think it comes back to the thing I was saying before, which is like their statistics. Right. But just just the idea that, you know. Right. Maybe cool. that stuff plays a, plays a role. I like it. You know? I do. I like it. Yeah, Carcosa. That's the fucking king in yellow. That goes back to True Detective. Oh, I remember True Detective. <laughs> Let me tell you. Carcosa. Season one, the one we didn't podcast about, the good one. <laughs> I know, because we got into it late. <laughs> They're doing a season three, aren't they? Isn't That's that true? Isn't that oof, a rumor? Isn't that a rumor mill? Any final thoughts on this one? I, I thought this was a great episode of television. I thought it was fucking fantastic. That's I don't good. care that it was episode eight in a 10 episode season. I loved it. it. You know what it reminds me of, actually? This is a lost reference. Go for it. Um, so when we're in the final season of Lost, like season six, and then we get the Richard Alpert episode. And it's just all about Richard, this character that we've seen for six seasons and we've never gotten any backstory. We get a full backstory episode on it and and I loved it and it could have been terrible. It's like we're gearing to the end of the show and we're like, what the fuck? We get an hour for this guy. But I was so pumped about it and I felt like it answered a lot of questions. I thought it was such a great character piece and the actor did such a good job. And that's, this episode is like that. So there you go. I loved it. Me too. All right. I uh, There's two episodes left. Two hours left, as they're saying in the chat. So that's it. And uh, we're going to be wrapping this up. I'm excited uh, to see where it's going. I love this episode. I thought it was beautiful. Um, it's not a bottle episode, technically speaking. Go look it up. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I learned all about it. Thanks, Scott TF. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I mean, is Westworld is not a 10 out of 10 show. There are little uh, incongruities, inconsistencies here and there, but that's okay. Um, sometimes you have to make concessions to make the story work. And, and in my opinion, some of those things do not ruin and or break anything open for me. So I definitely enjoy this episode. I enjoy the actor a lot, just the whole idea of it. I have a soft spot for this kind of stuff anyway. So it was uh, right up my alley. So how's that for objectivity? Uh, and with that, I think we're going to get out of here. Yeah, it's way past my bedtime. Uh, I have a very bad day at work tomorrow that I already know about. So <laughs> I got to go to sleep. <laughs> You guys have a wonderful evening. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye, friends.